the gift of Jericho. Drink it in, man. John Jones, get your together. I'm waiting for you. Uncle Juice is a good man. He's never going to stop being the juice. Please, juice. Juice, we need an answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Six Star Podcast. Evan Showman, Dan Rose, and on the air we have Live from the Jungle, sleeping in a bed made, a bed made out of hay, uh, Mr. Terry Sokinger. What up, what up, what up? What's up, man? I, I, Dan's probably sitting here going, God, Evan, I can't believe he's he's going this route. That's, that's racist. No, you talk to Terry long enough. <laughs> And he will be the first one to tell you about the jump. You notice I haven't said anything. I'm just like, oh, Lord. <laughs> I have, man. I was born in the jungle, so it's all good. You know what I was thinking the, you know, the other day? Like, Francis Ngannou, he's from the Cameroon. And I'm like, damn, like, that guy's kind of stealing your thunder as, like, the like the MMA person from the Cameroon, you know, what do you, did, do you remember Francis Ngannou? Was he like a little guy back in the day, you know? No, actually, I never met him up until about a year ago in France. So, um, I never, I remember going to Paris, my friend Lopez gym, and then him telling me, hey, dude, you need to come train with this guy from your village. Because actually, and Ganu is from the same village as me, but we never met because, um, I don't know, just, we never, because he wasn't in MMA, I was not in MMA growing up, and I don't think we, um, no, we never, I don't think there were any possibility of him and I ever running into each other because he was in the boxing, I was in the judo, so it was just two different worlds. Right. Yeah, how how big you said the same the same uh did I mess it up already and say tri- I'm going to say tribe. You said you the same tribe. <laughs> You're the same tribe and you don't know each other? Nah, there's too many motherfuckers like us out there, so it's hard to you know between smoke signals and drum signal, it's hard to know who is who back in the jungle. It's like, "Hey, what's up, motherfucker? Hey, what up?" And they just keep going, so it's hard to actually know, hey, you know, this is these dudes. Uh, no, we don't know each other. It's just uh, from the same spot, same village, tribe, and whatnot. Village, that's what I meant, village, how not many, tribe. How many people, uh, like, live in this village or lived in this village? You know, it's hard to tell because technology is not the same as out here where you have, you know, exact data and whatnot. So it's just a guesstimate, like, hey, I think there's, X amount of people living here and there because um, we don't have street names, we don't have 
Wow. For say houses and everything. So all the numbers you're gonna get anyways when I used to live there were pretty much people guessing how many people might live in different parts of Cameroon because like I said, um street names, apartment numbers, house numbers do not exist where I'm from. Gotcha. And you guys all have like six different names too, you know? Like who called like okay, I've I've only called you Terry since 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 I met you. I, in fact judo Terry was what we called him. No one called him Sokaju, no one called him Ramu. Like what? who who calls you Ramu? Dude, that's like um just like right now pretty much nobody. Most people go by my uh Terry, my middle name because uh everybody messes up my first name. So when I first moved here, people used to call me Ramon. I'm nothing against Mexican, but I'm not fucking Mexican. I'm like, hey, it's not Ramon, it's Ramon. And then other people go, it's Romeo. I'm like, where the fuck is Julia if I'm Romeo? So it turns out when I see Terry, people, that became my American name and easy to, uh, for bitches to remember me by then. So. For bitches to for remember bitches me to by. Remember. <laughs> Okay, I was waiting for that. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I, the, the only thing I'm thinking of is in, in this tribe that we got really? here, like, village, shit, man, I'm going to be totally shut down by the end of the day. I keep saying tribe. Back in this clan, um, like, I mean, how humongous are you guys there that you don't know each other because you guys both kind of <laughs> stick out a bit, you know? Like, is there a certain food filled with, like, TRT that your village uh, serves? Dude, dude, I think a long time ago someone asked me the same question in an interview after me, are there people, you know, with potential in Africa and Cameroon? I told them, dude, if you were to go to... um because we got this myth, this urban legend that there's a part of Cameroon where uh, teens, people get massaged with gorilla uh, bones so they can get strong. I remember as a kid, I had this uncle, dude, that dude was fucking strong. Like, I don't know. He never went, there's no gyms out there, there's no nothing. But you got some dudes who were so strong, you wonder the fuck he, where the fuck he's coming from. So, Francis, is the way he is, but I'm telling you right now, if you go back home, you'll see even bigger and stronger than him because he just looks like an, uh, a regular guy. Bigger guys actually will you will be surprised. So it's just, there's so much potential back there, but it's just no opportunity. That's why you see a lot of people trying to escape from there because they know with what they have and what they can do. So they can be successful, just like Francis. Francis knew, hey, just look, with what I have here, I don't think I'll do anything staying home. That's why he took a chance to kind of get on the road and pretty much escape from there and then. Now he's fighting for the belt. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy to me. So, like, he he's like the runt of the litter, you know? <laughs> he, he's he's the little guy. They're like, yeah, little little Francis. Put it this way, 
you know how people say, hey, I'm going to go do crossing for an hour or so, uh, a week or whatnot? People do that type of work, exercise for the work. They freaking lift weights all day because they got to carry a bunch of merchandise, just like farm work. They get, that's all they do all day, eight hours a day, ten hours a day. The guy's just lifting shit from point A to point B, seven days a week, Monday to Friday, from the first day of the month to the last day of the month until he dies. So by the time the guy turns, I don't know, teen or whatnot, he's already has freaking uh, gorilla strength. So there's no technology where I'm from. There's no electronics where I'm from. Most people here play on computer games. I don't know, there's a document on him where he went back and showed where he used to work. And then they were carrying these big bags of merchandise. And the game was, you got to find a fancy word to pick it from the ground and throw it in the truck. So you got to make it entertaining. So that's how they play. I hear you know, that, man, I'm going to play freaking, uh, what, what's the video game people play here? So when you spend your day playing games, lifting weights, just imagine doing that for two years, you'd be freaking just a killer. So are the are the women like are they gigantic too, or are they small, or what what are the women like there? Because I'm, I'm assuming they carry just as much product as as men do around. You know, when I first moved here, this was the first time I ever see. I never knew what the word petite means when it comes down to women because most women, where I'm from, I, I call, and someone would beat the shit out of you. You know how I had this story where um, I wanted black women because if you, I know I'm always fucking around and I always mess up. If you mess up with a black chick, she would beat the piss out of you. A white chick would cry and want to make dinner, a romantic dinner to make it better. So, <laughs> so, Women out there, fucking, they'll be the piss out of you. There's no, oh, I'm going to call 911 and then you're going to go to jail for abusing uh, a woman. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just a different world. Is out, out there, they, uh, the, men call, the men call the police on the women? Fuck yeah. They, they don't call because they have a choice. They fucking call because they want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. No, it's it, like I said, it, it's a different. It, it took me a lot of years, you know. Uh, my culture shock was just so. I don't know. It it was it was huge for me going from growing up there to actually understanding American culture because everything is just different. Totally different. Like, people have nice beds made out of freaking water. Shit, your bed is made out of hay and freaking bamboo and shit. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> people, think I'm, people think I'm joking around when I say it, but you used to, I mean, when we first met Terry, again, you hadn't been in the United States for, or at least you hadn't been training with uh, Dan for six months. Yeah. And... <laughs> You're like, this is great, man. I actually have a bed here, and the, like, kind of learning the the ways of the uh, the Americans, like, because Terry used to. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. They they don't have deodorant in the Cameroon, or they don't know much about that. They just they know about getting clean, right? But they don't know about deodorant. Like, hey, you know, 
when I first moved here, thinking about it, I just feel bad for all my training partners because I didn't know what the fuck was in deodorant. Like, what the fuck? You just be shower, shower, and then get the fuck out of there. So imagine grappling with a dude who's never used deodorant and fucking putting you in a freaking guillotine or I don't know why they're the choke. Now, thinking about it, I just feel so bad. Just, <laughs> so maybe this is my chance to apologize to all my initial training partners because, man, I stunk. <laughs> And I didn't even know. <laughs> you know what though? And, and this is this is. I, I I was with Ian McCall the other day, and he he brought up Matt Horowitz. I can't even remember why he brought it up, but I I, <laughs> I brought up the story about how when you were the new guy at Team Quest, and they're like, "Hey Terry, why don't you go pick Matt Horowitz up at the airport?" You're like, "Okay," and you almost got a taste of your own medicine. <laughs> hey, dude, that was brutal. Uh, I had freaking, that gave me some PTSD. I don't know, can I even use the word PTSD on stinkiness and whatnot? Because, <laughs> man, I picked that man up. He, he's the nicest guy ever. One of the craziest, nicest guy ever. Man, now I know, at that point, I understood why they wanted me to pick him up at the airport. Because, man, I was just like, dude. From what I remember, from what I remember, Dan is Terry telling me I had to drive home with my head out the window like a dog. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Nah, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, moving to the where I'm from, gathering is something. I don't. I never. I don't want to say I never heard of it. For me, it was just like, what the fuck is that? So it took me a, a bunch of, uh, you know, it took me some time to get. You to you understand what deodorant means and like hey dude you cannot be stinky stinky butt of my sweating and whatnot so so how how the hell did you wind up like you say someone like Matt Horowitz weren't you kind of like ah yeah I'm used to this did that again so like well like someone with Matt Horowitz were you just like how were you not like oh yeah I'm used to this or were you just so Americanized no. by that time. I think I was so Americanized by that time, and I think when I first moved, I didn't know I was, because where I'm from, it's just common practice. No one used to do it right, so we all stink, so stinkness with stinkness, you don't know you stink, because the guy next to you smells as bad as you, and it's normal. <laughs> it's, when you, <laughs> it's when you take one of you motherfuckers out, and you put them in the people who's doing that, you, you get singled out, like, dude, what the fuck? So... You know, <laughs> that is so funny. I just feel horrible for the person that had to sit next to him on the plane. Right. Oh, man. Dude. No, because the problem is, going from Cameroon to the U.S., there was a bunch of us, so we all stuck. So no one usually, you know, it's like, let's say you take a bunch of pigs and put them in mud. They don't care because they're used to it. It's between them, but if you take a pig and put them with some freaking... You know, people, then you go, oh, that's thing because, um, you know, that you single out that one stinky person, people who don't smell. So then becomes interesting. I, th- I think he's talking about Matt Horowitz. Yeah, not yeah. I'm talking about how bad it would be to fly on the plane with him. There's just no oh, escape. Oh. Ah man, I don't know, but I. 
like I say, the only time we really got close when I picked him up from the airport, and then uh, I'm that, that was about it. Because training-wise, we're training with the other lighter guys, different guys, and it actually ran into me in Poland a couple of months ago, and I, I don't know. I, he he still kind of different, you know. And I think he's living out there now. So. What you when you went to Poland, you you won a title, didn't you? No, that's that's in Australia. Uh, yeah, in Poland, back in a couple of years ago, but just recently in Australia. Okay, so yeah, because every time I look on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or something, you're like, yeah, I picked up another belt, you know, like didn't even didn't even know you were fighting, but I mean, hey, hey you know, it, it is what it is, you know. You win some, you lose some, but you still got the what same white takes looking at you, big butts. That's the most important thing. Yeah, so how, how are you in the white girls these days? Now, you're a single man, right? So uh, is it just white girls just all the time surrounding you? You know, it's been, uh, it's all different because uh, I got to get into a lot in dancing, and these were kid chicks are like, man, they're competing on a big butt department of white girls. They're like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, it, so I've expanded my, uh, what's the word, my horizon, and big butt fitness and whatnot, so <laughs> it's been interesting. So you don't even like petite, right? Mm, dude, no, man. Dude, no, they, they don't do it for me. No. <laughs> you need you need a woman that can carry you on her back. That's right. Otherwise, I'll, be, I'll end up in jail for murder. I'll be like, dude, so... I need something that can challenge me instead of, you know, right. oh shit. And it's easy to cheat I feel like uh, I don't want to get my, I don't want to get shot for saying certain things on the radio here. So. Well, you, you can't, well, you can't get shot for saying you like white girls. Dion, our third co-host, he's sick today. You actually met Dion at my uh, birthday. He was the black guy leaving as you were coming in. Since only one black guy could be there at a time in this area. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, okay, I got you. But now he, I know why you wanted me on Wednesday. <laughs> but he's same way though, man. He's he's uh, only white girls, but big white girls. No, okay. Wait, there's a difference between big white girl and white girl with big booty. You, you see what I'm saying? Because when you say big white girl, man. Uh, I don't know, that's a little different. She might have a big booty, but I don't want the, the stomach to be bigger than the booty. So that's when we have a problem. So. Dude, do you remember, Dan, you'll enjoy this. We were we were up at, uh, Terry and I were up at, uh, it was a strike force in San Jose. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he, uh, first off, for him getting there, he's like, all right, yo, I'm leaving my house right now. He's in San Diego. I'm leaving my house right now. All right, yeah, we're in the car. Get, I just got to the airport, and I'm like, are you going to seriously tell me every time something happens? Like, just fucking show up in San Jose. You know? He's like... So then he makes a joke out of it, taking taking six steps over to the escalator. Okay? <laughs> nice. 
he's fucking with me for however long. Finally shows up at the event. Actually, I think he made the main card, too. Um, and then afterwards, we went to some club, and some girl was all over me. And I was like, and I'm married. And I'm like, hey, this is my friend Terry. <laughs> I like literally put his <laughs> and walked the fuck and walked away and it seemed to work out okay. It's a good wingman. Hey, thank you, thank you, Evan. Thank you, Evan, for for putting me in there with some white girl. Hey, you know that's how it is. But anyway. <laughs> So hey, tell me how the gym's going. No, I don't have I don't have the gym anymore. I got rid of it about two years ago. What? Yeah, I wasn't making fucking money, so I was like, you know what? Instead of paying bills and dying, it's better out there. So now I'm just, that's why I've been traveling a lot because now, because back in the day, as soon as I'm done competing, I got to get back to that gym. So now it's like this. I actually got some more free time, and I don't need to babysit anyone and do any, anything I want. So, so it's been you, two years, man. Where are you training out of then? Nowadays, uh, it's been kind of traveling. Whenever I compete in Europe, I go to train in France. And then, obviously, I go to... Uh, I've been training with um, Alliance MMA. I've been going to different gyms. I've been... Uh, Having guys come in and help me train and, and stuff to the arena and Team Quest, obviously, some days. But um, no, I don't have the gym anymore. It's been two years. Oh, damn, that shows you how long it's been since I've gone that direction. Um, so, I, uh, <laughs> are you are you living in like Chula Vista or something? No, I live in Oceanside, but um, I just drive different places train with Ed and we just kind of travel and and train so we when we need to do conditioning work different workouts that do not necessarily need um, sparring partners we actually go to other gyms in Sinitas Oceanside or San Diego just to do some workouts but when it comes down to sparring yeah we go to different places so Dan to give you some perspective where he lives in Oceanside and where Alliance is is probably an hour and a half trip. No, they moved to uh, down, they moved to downtown. Oh yeah, well they moved to downtown San Diego, but um, still an hour. Less than six. Yeah, I know. Uh, with traffic and everything. That's crazy. And it's probably faster to go to Temecula to train at Dan's gym, right? Especially when you got to deal with uh, traffic going downtown, so yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but it, you know it started because you got the the good thing with training everywhere you get different training partners pretty much on a weekly basis. I'm supposed to train with the same guys over and over, so it kind of brings a little bit of more of a challenge. Do you think that's been helping you with your career? Because, you know, like I said, you got a belt now. It seems like you're racking up some wins. You know, it's, um, yeah, it has because, put it this way, when you train at your gym and you're, you have that comfort, you got that 
um, hey, I'm home, there's really, you don't feel comfortable, you don't have that, oh, shit, I'm in someone else's house. And then when you go fight, it's not your house, it's not, you know, you get and then you feel different. So I like the fact that when I go anywhere, especially most of the fights I go to, I fight uh, the guys from the place and it's always... Oh, that hostility, like you being the, the, the guest and then people just hate you for, the, for whatever reason. But so that can help going to different gyms where you are kind of a stranger and you know that comfort of being home per se and then training in your own gym at your own time, do what you want and however you want it. So that's, you know, it helps a little bit. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, because y- you start to get used to other people's tendencies and like, okay, this is usually where the guy shoots or this is when he does this, he drops his head down on this way. Like, it probably makes a huge difference, um, I'm assuming. I don't know. Yeah, it does because um, for one, when you go to the gym, people don't care about you as much as when you train with your partners because your training partner will take care of you. Other gyms, they don't give a fuck about you. They just want to take, kick your head up, which is actually a good thing for me because I know if I make a mistake, it might be a bad day for me. And so getting used to that, um, you know, that always, always being aware of someone trying to, you know, hurt me makes it easy when you go to a fight because you'd be, okay, it's just a fight. I go through this all day, every day, no big deal. As opposed to your own gym where people know they need to take care of you, they need to, you know, and then it, you know, it gets different. Yeah. So do you have anything lined up? No, not right now. Um, probably by January I'll have, I'll have something. But for Australia, they told me 2018. So right now I'm just busy getting fat, enjoying life, and, you know, getting some rest. Because I know next year I'll probably have a bunch of events coming up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting fat too, but I don't have anything planned. I know. It's it's a holiday. It's normal. It's not normal. (laughs) (laughs) In America, it's normal. Where I'm from, when you're fat, I mean, you got a bunch of money. I hate the opposite. When you're fat, they're like, man, what happened to you? So when you're skinny, it's like, dude, do you have AIDS? Are you dying? <laughs> Everybody becomes like your mother in the camera room. Like, what happened? You dropped below 260 pounds. You're getting thin. You got AIDS. Literally, one when, when people get skinny where I'm from, that means they're not healthy. There's a problem. So all the scientists have been suspicious that he probably got AIDS. He's got some sort of disease, or he's yeah, but I hear once you get skinny, people look up to you like, wow, how did you do that? I'm like, dude. So, yeah, it's a different world. If I was you, honestly, I'd be like, I date white girls with big booties. That's how I lost all the weight. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't believe, I want to go back to the gym for a second. I mean, I know it's, you know, as far as... Uh, training and everything it's it's different because now you you don't have that familiarity and you're not the big dog in like a smaller pond now but like aside from that like do you kind of miss training people or is it just like thank god i'm done with that that sucks no that's that's not even the part that i because 
when you own pretty much gym, you become freaking a babysitter for trainers because you won't believe what kind of bullshit people come up with. So it got to a point where, you know, at first I was kind of, man, I'm going to miss all this. And then I realized, wait, all I got to care about is me, myself, and I, I can do, I, I'll, I could leave now for another time. I can come back whenever I can. So it was kind of, it was, in a way, in the long run, it was kind of better. Now I can do, go and do whatever I want, go wherever I want, and, you know, without worrying about going back and making sure people are doing what they're supposed to. So I still train people. I train some people at their houses, left and right, at the businesses, just to make extra cash because I got expensive habits. So I got to keep up with that. But other than that, um, you know, it's just, Owning a business that you got to, you know, deal with other people that just care about the paycheck. Because sometimes it, it can be challenging. Yeah, so. I imagine. <laughs> I imagine being a babysitter and trying to focus on yourself. Because, I mean, fighters often say, you know, MMA is a, it's a very selfish sport. You kind of have to be selfish to be successful. Um, and... You have to, if you're owning a business, the last thing in the world you can do is be selfish. Yeah. Yeah, but, to, you know, you got to put it this way. Imagine a guy who shows up at work whenever he feels like it. He just needs to do enough to get a paycheck. So, and then, imagine another guy who is there because he wants to do it. He, all that he wants is being a team, work hard. And, so, it, it's two different worlds. Being an employee and working for yourself. So now you, you tap into two different uh, mentalities and people who show up for paychecks are just the hardest people to deal with. So. All right, well, yeah. good. I'm glad, you're, uh, I'm glad you're happy and done with all that. Are you uh, looking to make a run to kind of come back, make the, uh, do a UFC run again, or are you just fine going overseas? And... You know, right now, I'm coming back to the UFC. I'll tell the truth. For for me to go back to the UFC, I don't. I don't ever. I mean, I'm never gonna say never because you don't know what the future holds. But the money I'll be making in the UFC and the money I'm making right now, I think I'll be kind of. Um, I don't want to say shooting myself on the foot, but it will be kind of wild. Down, downgrading. See what I mean? Yeah. So it will be great. People know you. People because. Um, you know, people know who you are, what you do, but when you go to the bank, your bank will be like, dude, you broke, motherfucker. So, <laughs> so that's why. And, I mean, I don't know how a lot of these guys make money, but I do know um, sometimes you're so popular, people know who you are because they see you on TV all the time, but you can be the number one or number whatever in the world, or when you go to the bank and then you compare your ranking and your bank account, it's day and night. So... You know, right now I enjoy what I do. I travel wherever. Usually, I always travel for fights, and I love it. Love going to different places, and so for me to go back to UFC, it's gotta make a lot of sense. Which, I mean, I need to win more fights. That's one thing, and then. Uh, but at the end of the day, I just you know want to fight and travel. So if I can get that in the UFC or wherever I go. And yeah, yeah, it's funny because yeah, people don't 
people don't really seem to grasp that as far as like like most of the time you guys are in it to make money not for the fame you know and you a lot of people can make a lot more money outside of the UFC than inside of it and yeah one day they'll get it yeah, I mean, everybody's like, hey, UFC, UFC, but um, I remember I used to train with uh, Hector Lombard, and then he wasn't really a fan of the UFC, and then his reasoning was, look, you fight in the UFC, you, met, you make $30, great, but you fight every three to four months. And at the time, I'm like, I, fight, I don't fight in the UFC, but I make $10 every time, but I fight more than I fight in the UFC, and I make more money. And then I was like, man, that guy is... Because when you look at the UFC roster, I mean, how many of these guys can fight every, I want to say, two months or so? A lot of them fight and then have a long, you know, a long layoff and then come back to where it's just when someone gets injured or whenever, you, you know, you there's an, something happening where you can fight back to back. So, and then the pay structure is, but again, um, nowadays, I don't know what the UFC is like, but you know, from my experience, it's like, why do I need to go back when right now I, um, you know, I travel, I go different places, plus... Um, and get paid more money. You know. Yeah, and then, yeah, so tax-wise, sometimes it's even better to fight overseas than in the U.S., so... Yeah, yeah, and like, and like I said before, I, like I was mentioning Ian McCall, well, he... He's going to fight in Japan on New Year's Eve, and I think he's making like at least double what he was making fighting in the UFC. And he's I, he's fighting some guy I don't even know or even heard of. <laughs> yeah, but because the UFC is promoting the UFC, other fights, um, other fight, other um, organization want to promote promote you, so they kind of put you out. The UFC is like UFC first, and then you. Other organizations right. that need you so they can come up, so they kind of use, um, it's kind of exchange, you know, they use who you are so they can come up, but they promote you first. So. Yeah. The UFC is promoting their brand straight and, straight and yeah, simple. That's, that's it. Yeah. And that's, and, a, and, and that's them, yeah, yeah, that's okay for them, for, but, and for the people that are doing it, but again, a lot of people towards the end of their careers are like, you know what, the rankings, that's cool and all, but I just, I want to make money at this point. Like, and that should be kind of the goal in the first place. That or unless you like punching people in the face. <laughs> I mean, you know, it took me a minute to figure things out. I mean, I don't think I had to figure out that I believe when you do something you love, it's like you never work a day. So as long as you're happy doing what you're doing and... At least the bills get paid. We enjoy life and whatnot because what I do now, I travel all over. I get, you know, to see the world. I don't have to spend a dime, which most people work till they're 65, and then that's when they start traveling. And then, you know, so right now, even if I don't make a whole lot of money, at least I'm, you know, I have a lot of um, memories, experience, and whatnot. You know, I got to visit the world and experience different bed styles, water, hay, fucking jungle houses and whatnot. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's always a good thing to 
you know, go different places of the world and see and experience different cultures. So. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, I'd I say uh, you, you're, doing, you're doing all the right stuff now. Yeah, so, I mean, because just like you mentioned, the gym, all I knew was my house, the gym, the fight venue, my house, the gym, go fight, and all I, care, all I was doing is babysitting a bunch of adults who just, I don't know, just interesting. But now, dude, I gotta. I wake up in the morning. I'm like, dude, what am I gonna do today? And I just go and do whatever I want. So, it's uh. He woke up today, going, "What am I gonna do today?" I'm like, "Hey, come on my show." And, oh man, I gotta go to the dentist. I gotta go to the doctor. Look, I gotta be driving right now. I stop because if I go, if I keep driving, I'll lose you. So I got, I have to stop my car to talk to you because I know. In Rancho Santa Fe, this hill coming up, if I go up that hill, I'll lose signal. And then you go, man, that motherfucker doesn't want to talk to white people. So I don't want to start <laughs> racist and disconnected. <laughs> so I stopped my car just for you. You see how much I care about you, man? Yeah, that's what I like. You know, you never come by, you never visit, nothing. But that's cool. I, I see how much you care about me. Dude, I went through my stuff and I saw these cars. Uh, Evan Showman, VP Marketing, Yolk.com. <laughs> Man, and there's a phone number here, eight six six two zero seven five three nine nine. Dude, is that is that is Yoke still around? I have no idea. And that was a pager number, I think I had. <laughs> it was like twelve Get years. Out of here. <laughs> <laughs> what was the company Dude, showman? Yoke. Yoke. Oh, Yoke. <laughs> You remember Yoke was good back then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it's funny because the day you actually called me, I was doing some cleaning, and I saw the card, and next thing I know, you send me a message. I'm like, dude, you got to you gotta know some voodoo or some shit. Cause That's right. That's I, what white people do. I know. Huh? It's the white, white voodoo. White voodoo. Hey, black voodoo is better, man. I know. I know. Absolutely. You see someone doing voodoo that's white, go the other direction. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I, we don't want to keep you on the side of the road for, for too long. I know you got to go to the dentist or the, the orthopedist or to your gynecologist, yeah. whatever the hell you're doing. <laughs> Plus, there's probably already been like 30 white people drive by and call the police saying you're... You're yeah, hanging out I, on the side I of the know. Road. Imagine a rancher Santa Fe, a black dude parked on the side of the road with a black car. So there's like two black things. That's like very bad. Yeah, you, you yeah Rancho, Rancho Santa Fe is like where Janet Jackson has a home. Oh, she, yeah. does she? I hear. Yeah, yeah. Michael Jordan has a home. I, or actually, it might be Fairbanks Ranch, but they're one and the same. Damn. You're living out there right. with the celebrities. Yeah, this is a rich ass yeah, area. You know that, Terry. Oh yeah, I got to though. Before we let you go, Terry and I went and ate. Where the hell were we eating? We were eating, I think, some Thai food or something by my house. And um, <laughs> so some guy, like a pizza truck driver, because there's a uh, Papa John's next to it. He's like, "Hey, uh, hey are you Sokaju?" And I was like, what? <laughs> "In this area, get out of here." That's awesome. Hey, hey, you know, it's 
white people got to have black friends. So they're like, man, that's what could do black. I'm going to make friends with them. So he was trying to push me, you know. It's, he tried. But I mean, it's, compl- a, you know. It, I'm just saying, man, it's a trip because I've, I've gone, you know, my house is right behind all these shopping centers and I've had Kendall Grove, Nate Quarry, um, Dave Rudiger right after he was on Tough and, you know, guys that, Cub Swanson that people would know and no one's ever stopped us and been like, you're so-and-so, except that kid and in, 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 uh, interrupted our lunch. And was like, you're so could you. Like, what? <laughs> I don't even think you called the UFC yet. Wait, <clears throat> dude, that's our role, brother. What do you think all them white big bitches? He's like, oh, my God. You know, that was just a taste <laughs> of what I got to deal with every day. You know what's funny, Terry, is when I told Dan here that we were going to have you on the show, he's like, oh, cool. I, I don't, I've never really, like, heard him talk or, or heard interviews with him or anything, so I don't know what he's like. And I just kind of moved on because I wanted him to experience the whole thing. Yeah. He didn't want to ruin it for me. He wanted me to get the full experience. Can you believe how much he says the words white bitches? He says white bitches. He says motherfucker all the time. <laughs> hey, I promise. When I moved to the states, I used to be an innocent and nice guy, but I got perverted by yeah. uh, the society. Here, so <laughs> they taught you about deodorant and white women. Hey, my! I think the only good thing so far is the deodorant part because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Man, sometimes I think about my first years in the U.S. and not using deodorants. I'm like, oh my gosh, I wonder. Because I'm sure during that time I had, I was kind of interacting with people who kind of, you know, um, I'm not in contact anymore. And I'm sure the last impression that I from me is like, man, that sticky guy is fighting. Wow, he was just beating up with his mouth. <laughs> so. Because you know that's what, how someone's going to remember you for the rest of their life. Like, oh, this mother. He came here, Judo Terry, and he would like, his geese smell like ass. His, he smelled terrible. And, uh, you know, for the rest of your life. And you're like, man, no, I use deodorant and cologne now and lotions and shit. Hey, put it this way. When you hear uh, Mark Howitch, what do you think of? <laughs> because you have experience with it. <laughs> Yeah, I think so of exactly, I think so of exactly what, what you... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so whether he's using the other one now or not, the only thing you can think of is his thickness. It's not even a word, thickness, but anyways, that's uh, <laughs> the last... So your last interaction with him will always be, man, I, I do think. Yeah, so thank God. I got you for yeah, you got people in the world that when they think of me, like, man, that stinky guy from the jungle, that team out there, so. I can't, I can't remember if it was you or if it was Vinny or if it was Gabe, but one of you told me that he, like, came with, like, a plastic bag and had, like, fermented bread in it and, like, his clothes and all, like, oh, in man. one mashed up, like, disgusting petri dish of nauseating. Yeah. Apparently... Uh, it wasn't you because you would have known. <laughs> I don't know, but there was all kinds of things. Was just, I was like, dude, even white people smell? I thought it was just black people in the jungle. I was like, damn, brother. You're not being any good to the white people, man. <laughs> so, 
it was just horrible. So yeah, that's so rad. What Ryan Parsons like? Hey Terry, why don't you go pick up Matt Horowitz <laughs> at the at the uh, airport? Okay. At the airport. Sure, why not? Yeah, he probably has a, oh, has a white sister. I'll go pick him up, and then he's driving home like the dog, sitting in the trying to get air in, like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. That's awesome. Dude, and I had to take off from San Diego Airport to Mekala. Imagine 45 minutes to an hour driving, the windows down, pretending to show him the town, looking out the window. Dude, that airport, that's... Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, it was a long drive. Um, all right, man. So, hey, where can people find you on social media so they can contact you and give you their phone numbers? I only talk to white chick with big booty, but for the rest, um, <laughs> hey, what, it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, I am so could you, at, you know, on uh, Instagram and Twitter, or so could you on, on uh, Facebook, so simple. Really simple. Hi, right, man. Well, hey, thanks for thanks for making the time and coming on the show for us. All right, thanks for the invite. You know, it was a pleasure. Absolutely. Although, man, you know, although, although the only reason you have me on the show is because the other black dude is out, so now you need a black dude on the show. It's okay. I still like you. I, it's, you know. Come on, we, I could have gotten any black dude I want. I wanted this black dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know, it's okay. I feel like you, man. Yeah, man. Anyways, go, uh, go do your thing. Thanks for coming on the show. All right, thanks, man. You guys have a good one now. Thanks. All right, Terry. All right, guys, that was uh, Sokaju, Ramu Terry Sokaju, however you want to say his name. And uh, All right, the best artist in the world. Evan Showman is the most gangster motherfucker I know. The best artist in the world. The best artist in the world, Evan Showman. Evan is the baddest mother artist you'll ever see. Best artist in the world. The best artist in the world. The best artist out there. Evan Stoneman. You are a very good artist. I thank you. I appreciate it, man. The greatest artist in the world. The artist of the century. The best ever. If my heart could draw pictures, they draw. The dryer with a beat. The finest dude I've ever seen with a pencil. Nice, serious color. 100%. After he sharpens his pencil, he gets into the blood of his own shit. <laughs> Why would you not? Evan Stoneman, man. The Picasso of pencil. Right. Daniel Gracian level with a pencil. did a great job with me. Uh, he's the only artist I got prints of on my walls of my house. I've seen it on the underground. This is the chinizzle, as they say. Evan, appreciate it. It was, uh, supposed to be the best 2010 yet. Evan's showing. My mom's gonna It's better in real life than it was when I got the good copy of it. I get to see the true craft, and now I'm like, damn, why the hell is it taking so long? Evan Showman. Best artist. Best artist. If you're looking for some dope MMA and pro wrestling art, visit showmanart.com. It's so funny, cute and tall. <laughs> let's shake it. I said let's shake it. <laughs> How weird is it that like I know all of your movie references just like that? Again, it's got to be before a certain time and then you'll know. That's true. 80s and 90s comedies were on the same page. Yes. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was from uh, Night at the Roxbury, if you don't know. Yes, it was. And if you don't know, you should know. If you don't know, you you better go find out. That's seriously one of the best movies. It's hilarious.
Who did I see that with? I think I saw it with my wife and my brother. And she was like, what is this? Because, <laughs> like, she thinks I'm funny when I say movie lines from other people, but she doesn't think that the movies... Themselves are funny? Yeah, like, I'll show her the, you know, like, well, this is where the movie line came from, and it just never seems to hold the same weight. I don't know why. Like, I know I'm hilarious. Well, that's probably it. They don't have... Will Ferrell doesn't have the same comedic timing that you have. No, not at all. I mean, mean, come on. Sorry, Will. Hey, some people got it, some people don't. Yeah, apparently I do, and Will Ferrell doesn't. Will Ferrell tried to funnier. Yeah, I mean, hey, they're not all first-round draft picks. No. Sorry, Will. But uh, from that movie, I mean, my nephew and I say, but there's no HBO... Literally all the time. <laughs> like, my sister will ask my nephew to do something, and he'll be like, I don't want to do that. She's like, yeah, you do. You love doing that. He's like, but there's no HBO. <laughs> we just start <laughs> laughing, and she doesn't even have a clue what we're talking about. She's like, you guys are like, you guys ridiculous. Are, you guys are dumb, yeah. But my sister, for the record, is uh, where, like, comedy goes to die. You name any hilarious movie, and she hates it. Really? Christmas Vacation hates it. Dumb and Dumber hates it. Tommy Boy hates it. Step Brothers hates it. I don't know how I feel about your sister. What's oh, her name? Dude, I do. She's re- when it comes to uh, movies. <laughs> you could pretty much pick and choose whatever you want people to hear you saying. That's true. How good of a person do you want them to think you are? Yeah, that's 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 what I was thinking when we were just talking about having Cat on the show. How much I'd have to edit to make myself. Passable not is not a total schoolgirl. It'd be like a four-minute interview. <laughs> well, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Oh man, who the hell was it that called into our show that one day when? Uh... Lawrence Larkin. Yeah, Lawrence Larkin. That's right. That was awesome. Hey guys. Hey guys. You ready? Like, hey, uh, yeah, we got Lawrence Larkin on the line. <laughs> I was thinking the other day about that just calling people out of the blue thing. I think that would be hilarious. Dude, so do I. I think it would be great. Like, just once a week, just pick someone out of our phone and just be like, hey, this is a six-star podcaster on the air. What the fuck are you calling me for? Yeah, oh, I would love it. Yeah, it would be, I think we should, I, we, I think we should give it a test run. We should do it at least once to see, you know, see how it plays. I think it would be hilarious. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely, that would be that would be something. Yeah, it would be funny. <laughs> my favorite thing in the world is Dana White hating Mike Swick for the banner. <laughs> yeah, it's, that was hilarious on the podcast. Swick is like, "Yeah, dude, I mean, I never really got credit." Uh, Dana's like, "Credit for the worst fucking idea in the history of the UFC." Congratulations! Congratulations! I hated that. Oh, that was so funny, and this just Swix was just a broken man. He was, he was. It was, it was glorious, dude. Dana White came out just about as likable as I've ever seen him in that interview, and I kind of want to go to check out his office and wander around and see all the cool stuff in there. Yeah, well, I want to play for the Clippers, but you know, that's yeah, true. It's just never gonna happen. Really, the Clippers? I don't think you want to play for the Clippers. That's my team. I could help them. <laughs> Lord knows it can't get worse. <laughs> Really? The Clippers are your team? Yeah. I thought the Cavs were your team. No, oh, I like watching LeBron James play, but they're not my team. Right. No, my ride-or-die team is 
I did not uh, realize that. Good for you for sticking, well, I mean, I'm not surprised you stuck with the Chargers for all these years. And now look at them. Look at them now. Yeah. Seven and six. They're going to the playoffs, dude. (laughs) As long as everybody keeps losing, I think that... uh, They're on fire right now. This is how they play, and it's really... It's really fucking annoying that this is how they play. Like, it's like they do the bare minimum to survive, and then they come on and streak super hard towards the end of the season and then blow it in the playoffs. So despite the fact that, yeah, they may make the playoffs, there's a big disappointment cloud kind of hanging over this whole thing. Dude, have faith. Your team is good. Look at the 49ers out there, too, winning two games in a row. What the hell? When it doesn't matter, you know... And yeah, I guess so. I guess Jimmy I guess they Jimmy Garoppolo, and now we're unstoppable. Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, and football's weird right now. Like everybody's picking the Eagles. I just don't see it happening. Oh yeah, now especially after Carson Wentz if Carson Wentz went down. Yeah. It's like so. a fork in the Eagles. They just lost their quarterback for the rest of the year. Yeah, unless they have some amazing backup, which I have Nick no Foles idea. Is not amazing. There you go. Yeah, if I had to bet right now on who was going to play in the Super Bowl, I would say the Rams and the Patriots, if I had to bet right now. Huh. But don't sleep on the Steelers, because they're pretty damn good, too. Uh, you know what? I'm not watching enough football right now to, to know. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> He's pretty good at this uh, foosball thing. Have fun playing the foosball. Not only will I play for you, not, not only will I play for you coach, but I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. Seeing that people are like, what are they talking about? That's Bobby the Boucher, boy. the water boy. Um, 26 years old. With an awesome cameo by Captain Insano, played by... Paul White. There you go. Also known as The Big Show. Yeah. Good I love show. how he lost all that weight, by the way, and then um, stopped appearing on television. Yeah, that was good that he lost all that weight. I mean... Congrats, it, congratulations on getting in shape. Now go away. But... Maybe they need to change his music, because when I hear it, I'm just like, oh, God, here it is. It sounds like an 80s porno music. Aggressive 80s porno. Bottom, bottom, bottom. Mr. Pizza Man, what are you doing in my house? I came to check and make sure that your plumbing's okay. You asked for extra pepperoni, right? Well, you're getting... The meat sausage. <laughs> You're getting the sausage. And there you go. We just wrote a porno, basically. You know what's funny is my, my buddy Derek and I, every time we go to the gym, we recite the entire first segment of a porn called... God, what porn was it? Oh, it was called Sweat. <laughs> it's called Sweat with me, um, Amber Lynn. And it was Jerry, Jerry Butler and, and uh, Amber Lynn in the first segment. And, like, literally, I can read... I could I could recite the entire thing. That is hilarious. Because it was it was one of those scenes that was so bad that you just like told your friends like you gotta watch this. Who cares about the the porn itself? But the scene, there, I'll, I'll redo it for you. And just because this is what I do. Um, let's see. Afterwards, after the sex, she's like, "Would you please leave?" And he's like, "What?" She's like, "Would you please leave?" He goes, what, what are you talking about? It's like, I, the whole purpose of this thing here, dude, was to make me sweat. He goes, hey, don't call me dude, because nobody calls me dude. 
<laughs> and he's like, don't say you didn't come. I heard you. I heard you say it. He said, oh, baby, the train's coming. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. And, and then he's like, you know what? You're a mean person. That's right. You're, a, you're, you know why? Cause you're a mean person. That was his, his reasoning for why she was a mean person. Yeah, Cause she was a mean person. He goes, you're, cause you're a mean person. You know what? You're a mean person. You know why? He uh, goes, I, you're a mean you person. know what? You can hear from my attorney. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause he didn't make her sweat during sex. Uh, he was going to have his attorney reach, reach out. Well, there you go. I, you should be able to sue people if they don't make you sweat during sex. Please, lady. You must be a screwball. Your mother must have dropped her in the head when you were born. You can hear from my attorney. Wait by the phone. That <laughs> is awesome. It. We say it all the time. Wait by the phone. I'm gonna I'm gonna find this for you. I sent it to my friend, and I was like, "Listen to this." And we listened to it, and still to this day, because it's from the '80s. Yeah. I mean, when I say Jerry Butler, people should just know that. Yeah, I mean that's that's as '80s as it gets. Jerry Butler, please, lady. All right, Dan. This is. I'm pretty sure she never said, "Oh, Daddy, the train's coming." (laughs) Would you mind leaving? Hey, wait a second. What are you driving at? Don't tell me you didn't come because I heard you, honey. I know what you said. You just said, "Oh, baby, the train's coming." And now you ain't gonna pin this on me. You came. I heard you. You know, I think you're missing the point here. Oh no, baby, because I heard you. You came. You're the object of this whole little encounter here, dude, which make me sweat, not come. Hey, don't call me dude, because nobody calls me dude. As you can see, I'm dry as a rock. And to actually author in one single itty-bitty orgasm in five hours? I really don't think that's any big deal at all, see? Because I got goldfish in a bowl that can do that at home. Ouch! Boy, you mean person. Because you are, you're a mean person. Let me tell you that. What I mean to say is, I don't want somebody that'll make me whine, grovel, spit, or hope. I want somebody that's gonna make me sweat. I don't want somebody to screw me. I want somebody to fuck me. And if I had a cock, I'd show you. Please, lady, you must be a screwball. You and your mom must have dropped you in the head when you were born. Please. You're gonna hear from my attorney. You got that? My attorney's gonna hear from you. I'm taking you to court. You'll hear from my turn. Wait for the phone to ring. Wait for the phone to ring. <laughs> that is going on the podcast, and that's literally the best thing I've ever heard. Guys, didn't I sound just like him? Please, lady, you must be a screwball. Your mother must have dropped on your head when you were born. Who talks like that? Jerry Butler. Oh, my God. Uh, you are welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that is uh, that's that's good stuff. That's another little segment we should have on our show every week. A hilarious, a hilarious dialogue from porn. I got another good one that that uh, Ryan Ryan showed me. Uh, Ryan Loco was like, "There's a movie called I Never Say No." Yeah. And from the '80s, it, it was the porn he grew up on. You know, most of us had one video. Kids, you'll never know the struggle. And uh, <laughs> it was like. People were having sex in one spot, and then the other people were having sex to try to outdo them, and the crowds that were watching them kind of give like ping ponging back and forth. <laughs> and they kept, you know, they kept looping 
back in that day, they would loop things. Like, they put the same scene in over and over in a movie. Yeah. Like, because you couldn't tell. It was just seeing, seeing, you know. Sure. Venus to Regina and can't, can't tell what's going on more than once. And there was this one scene they kept do, kept going over and it was a woman going, Oh my God, I don't believe it. <laughs> and they did it like three times. Oh my God, I don't believe it. Oh my God, I don't believe it. Yes. <sighs> That's good stuff. I'm going to drop that periodically on the podcast. Oh my God, I don't believe it. You believe it. You're a mean person. You know that? You know why? Because you're a mean person. You know what's rad is that, like, that movie I Never Say No, which I, of course, downloaded and have. Yes. Is, it's from 1983. In 1983, I was 10. I was 13. I wasn't even thinking about porn when I was 10. You, you were. I, I wasn't. And you were. I was not. Not when I was 10. No, 13. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Anyway, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, like, I was collecting baseball cards in 1983 and in 2017, <laughs> still. Yeah. But it was, I was, like, shocked that they even made porn back then. Like, there was so many things going on in the world, and I just had no idea. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a giant world I, I, out there, I dude. Just, I don't believe it. <laughs> oh, my God, I don't believe it. Stay by your phone. Wait for the phone to ring. I hear you. Good show today, showman. Yeah, so could you, easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, most guests that we try to get on here are going to be easy because we don't want to have to work. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, we'll be back next week, and hopefully we'll uh, have someone else for you. The gift. Of Jericho. Drink it in, man. John Jones, get your together. I'm waiting for you. Uncle Juice is a good man. He's never going to stop being the juice. Please, juice. Juice, we need an answer. Remember the Bionic Man? Yeah. Remember Eddie? Man.